That evening, as I sat in our 100-year-old kitchen, nursing William, watching my husband cook fresh backstrap for dinner, and my daughter eager to help prepare the heart for fritters, I was soothed by the rhythm of the push and the pull. Thank you. Tell us something. Tell us something. Tell us something. Tell us something. Welcome to Tell Us Something. Welcome back. Welcome to the Tell Us Something podcast. I'm Mark Moss. 2019 ended with a sold-out show at the Wilma. Eight storytellers, eight true personal stories shared without notes on the theme, Tipping Point. Molly Bradford closed out the night with her story, The Push and the Pull. That was the clip at the beginning of today's show. Tell us something sold out every show in Missoula in 2019. It was the first year that we sold out every event, four shows in Missoula. We had a near-capacity show at Myrna Loy in Helena, and our second event ever in Butte. And the audience is such a key component of a telesumming event. We'll talk more about that later. I open the year in review of 2020, remembering the last in-person event of 2019 to provide some context. Telesumming was coming into 2020 strong. I'm talking about the wave that we were riding, about the momentum telesumming had. We closed out December and entered January of 2020, interviewing people to be members of the Telesomething board as I prepared to finally leave the nest of Missoula Community Foundation and become a full-blown 501c3. I thought about collaboration opportunities as Telesomething entered its 10th year. Blackfoot Communications came on as a sponsor early in 2020. That relationship brought me to collaborate with the Missoula History Center and narrate Karen Lefrac's children's book, sleepover at the museum in early February at the Denison Theater, accompanied by the Missoula Symphony Orchestra and a bevy of actors acting out the book. Hundreds of fourth graders were introduced to classical music in a fun way at the symphony's annual family concert. They sat enthralled by the story and the actors. I was also planning the first ever Tell Us Something fundraiser that was two days later. I had selected six storytellers to revisit their stories live on stage. The fundraiser was at the top hat, where Tell Us Something cut its teeth in the early days. I wanted the evening to be unlike any other Tell Us Something experience that people had witnessed. I hired John Sporman and Travis Yost to compose a score for the night. They set up on stage behind the storytellers and live scored these stories. The early morning light is made of silver tendrils of cigarette smoke. My mom sits with me and is doing my hair. She is methodically working, curling every strand, which falls down below my waist. I'm about seven years old, and it's really light blonde. And this happens when we have a place to go to be seen. Holidays first day of school, pictures, that kind of thing. Today, it's my grandmother, Anna. We're gonna go visit her, and that is a place to be seen.
Storyteller, Marlies Borgers. 23 businesses donated items for gift baskets. Logjam Presents donated a golden ticket for the live auction, a ticket that would allow the winner to attend every Logjam Presents show in 2020. As we approached the March 25th Telesomething show, we were well on the way to a sold-out event at the Wilma again. We held the storytelling workshop for the storytellers who would be performing at my house on March 10th. The stories were awesome. I had just provided a corporate storytelling workshop for Glacier Country Tourism up in Polson, Montana. There were rumblings of an epidemic brewing that threatened to become a pandemic, but there were no reported cases in Montana, Wyoming, either of the Dakotas, Washington, or Idaho at the time. I thought that this epidemic would be like Ebola and not be that big of a deal here in the United States. It would be contained. I was in denial. I had already paid Art House Framing to frame prints of the posters that local artists had been paid to create over the last 10 years. Tell Us Something was going to have an Art of Tell Us Something art show at local coffee shop Clyde Coffee in June. I was planning an event in Butte in April at the Orphan Girl Theater, another one at the Myrna Loy in May, returning to Missoula in June for an event at the Wilma. Then we'd head to Bozeman for a show at the Rialto, drop into Livingston for an event there at the Shane Center, and swing through Gardner to have a show at the Tubit. Then we'd take Telesomething to Burning Man before returning to Missoula for a show in September at the Wilma. 2020 was going to be a huge celebration for Telesomething until it wasn't. Huge touring acts across the country began canceling shows at Logjam Presents venues where Tell Us Something hosts our shows in Missoula. Tell Us Something postponed the March event on March 17th. Then, on March 27th, the governor of Montana ordered a shelter in place for all non-essential businesses. What is going to happen? I went from denial to disbelief to panic to pivot. In today's show, I explore the challenges, successes, and opportunities Tell Us Something faced in 2020. We'll look at some of the things I tried that failed, things that worked, things I learned, and opportunities for the future in 2021. Stay with us. Big thanks to our title sponsor, The Good Food Store, and thanks to our enduring sponsors, CabinetParts.com and Blackfoot Communications. Special thanks to our champion sponsor, True Food Missoula. COVID-19 has forced so many unprecedented changes onto our lives. As I record this, we have almost 79,000 coronavirus cases in Montana, 916 deaths, and around 70,000 people recovered from the virus. In the rest of the United States, those numbers are even more alarming. Still, back in March of 2020, there was a lot of uncertainty and fear. When it became clear that COVID-19 was a pandemic that would be disrupting our lives for the foreseeable future, we canceled all of our events for 2020. None of the scheduled storytellers for the March 2020 event wanted to share their stories in a streaming environment. I get it. That's not what I asked them to do. Their stories needed the feedback of a live, in-person audience. And we did not attempt to stream a show then. 
I wondered how telesomething could serve the community best. I thought people would want to talk about the pandemic and how it's affecting them. In April, I announced in the Telesomething Monthly Newsletter that the Telesomething pitch line has become a repository for people to share their pandemic stories. Hey, it's Mark Moss. Thanks for calling Telesomething and for your interest in sharing your COVID-19 story. Your story can be about how the pandemic has affected your life, about adjusting to our new reality, about life in quarantine. Whatever your story is right now, we are grateful that you want to share it with us. You have three minutes to record your story. You may choose to remain anonymous. If you choose to share your name, please state your name slowly and clearly. Please also let us know where you are calling from. By sharing your story, you agree to allow Tell Us Something to include your story in future broadcasts and publications, including, and not limited to, podcasts and radio shows. Thank you, stay sane, stay healthy, and keep sharing your stories. Hi, this is Nancy. My phone number is... At the beginning of the whole COVID thing, I decided I had to figure out some way to stay sane and also to contribute back to my community. So just for fun, I developed my own little business. And I called my business the COVID Concierge Services. Now, I don't charge for my services. It's all about looking for the opportunities to help other people. So my concierge services, the first thing I did was I had the opportunity to rally up and find a walker for a lady that lived in the... Nancy drops out for a bit here. I was able to take her three walkers to try to try, um, all following social distancing. So that was my first little con. The end of her message got cut off for some reason. Maybe poor cell reception or internet connectivity. Two things that we would come to get used to when people's Zoom audio quality begins failing or a meeting would suddenly end. When I heard her message, though, I was heartened to hear that people were stepping up to help. Little pockets of micro-communities began developing in many Missoula neighborhoods, putting up lists of things they needed, providing things to people in need, running errands for one another. People always say that times of hardship bring us together, and the past 10 months have shown this to really be true in many ways. Nancy was the only one to call. The COVID storyline is still open, by the way, if you have a COVID story that you'd like to share. You can call 406-203-4683 to share your pandemic story. When only one person called the pitch line, I knew that I would have to figure out a different way to continue the tell mission of helping people get their stories heard. I was also starting to feel a lot of grief about those who were dying those who were losing their businesses, their jobs, and the lack of government leadership to help us prevent further deaths and overcome this virus. I was also scared about the future of Tell Us Something. Donations really help keep the organization afloat, as do local sponsorships. The majority of Tell Us Something's revenue, though, comes from live events. All of those were canceled for the foreseeable future. So, how do I keep Tell Us Something alive? I called the Tell Us Something advisory board Tell us something has always run on a shoestring budget and never incurred debt. I don't garner a living wage. 
only taking $1,000 monthly as payment for running Telesomething. The organization pays for my health insurance, too. And there are the everyday costs of running an organization. I am thankful that Telesomething doesn't have any employees that depend on us. I figured that without the expenses that hosting events would incur, I could keep the organization going with about $21,000 for the year. After the fundraiser and sponsorships, I was coming up short of that, and I was getting myopic in making financial decisions. This is one of the reasons that I have an advisory board. We had a Zoom meeting. I laid things out for them. I was very reluctant to accept money that might require a payback. Never having taken on any debt for the organization, I was unsure how I would pay it back when the loans came due. I am so grateful to the advisory board for their guidance during this process. We eventually decided that I should apply for the PPP loan and the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, a loan that provides economic relief to small businesses and nonprofit organizations that are currently experiencing a temporary loss of revenue. I also began applying for any CARES Act grants that I thought I could qualify for. My least favorite part about running Telesomething is the financial piece. I would much rather recruit storytellers, help people get their stories heard, host live events, produce a podcast twice quarterly, and teach kids how to share their stories. But here I was, stuck in the financial piece. I entered a deep depression. I tried to hold it together. I ended up doom-scrolling COVID stats. Something had to change. I couldn't see a future for Telesomething with events canceled indefinitely. Joyce and I went for walks around the neighborhood every night after dinner. It was during those walks that I was able to articulate my depression, fear, and hopelessness. Spark Arts Missoula made the call to artists to begin providing asynchronous content for students in order to further their mission to keep arts in the classrooms. I stepped up and provided five asynchronous resources for their Learning at Home program. It was then that I began understanding the difficulty of sharing stories and performing without an audience. Here's storyteller Molly Bradford. I was just talking to a comedian who told me, you know, there is no stand-up comedy without the audience. And she's trying to figure out how to do these, like, outdoor, socially distant stuff so that you can still have an audience. And there can be skit comedy or, like, other things without an audience, but not stand up. She was explaining. And it, I think that's very similar to tell us something. It's not comedy. Well, some, some of them are comedy, but it's not a comedy show. And she's trying to figure out like, as things progress, how can I even just make sure there's like 10 people there giving feedback, even if everyone else is on the live stream? You know, you can't do it with zero feedback. I hosted the first Telesomething Intensive Workshop in April. Two hours a day for a week. Out of that came the very first live stream Telesomething event. I also knew that it was an opportunity to experiment. Telesomething has hired American Sign Language interpreters for years in an effort to make Telesomething more inclusive. We've had sometimes 13 deaf people in the audience and, more often, maybe only one or two. Still, I wanted to accommodate them in this setting too. I also thought it might be an opportunity to hire only one person instead of two. American Sign Language interpreters tag-teamed a live event, switching off between storytellers, so 
I hired a closed captioned person who would type a transcript live in real time during the event. We tested it a few hours beforehand and things behaved as expected. During the live event, somehow that tech failed. I made the decision to abandon closed captioning on the fly. Later, I apologized to those whom I failed. Still, 800 or so people showed up during the stream to watch the event on Facebook Live. The event was a pay-what-you-want model. No one paid. The stories were great. You can listen to these stories at tellussomething.org. Besides the accessibility lesson that I learned, I also learned that I had to experiment with a virtual venue. I had to figure out a way to help storytellers feel more heard. Never before had I asked storytellers to share their story behind a screen without any audience. Here's storyteller Jenny Pack. Because I've been in the audience, and they're just supportive. It's like going to a fifth-grade band concert. It doesn't really matter what they do. They're doing something, and we're all going to be supportive and, and clap. And, you know, I just love that whole atmosphere of community and all of it. Well, I don't know about a fifth-grade band concert, but tell us something audiences are very supportive. As I was experimenting in my mind with ways to make live streaming a storytelling event more accessible and also self-sustaining, I knew that I'd have to engage the Tell Us Something community in a meaningful way. For one, to keep the mission of Tell Us Something alive, to help people get their stories heard, as well as keep Tell Us Something on people's radar when we cannot host live in-person events. At the same time, I was trying to figure out how to keep Tell Us Something alive without the revenue from those live events. I spent a good bit of April applying for grants and loans. In May, Tell Us Something participated in the annual Missoula Gives fundraiser, and I am so grateful to the record 100 donors who helped us out and ended up donating just over $5,500. That allowed me to exhale a bit and focus on the next way that Tell Us Something could continue serving the community. At the end of May, I began working with Mary Beth Rothwell, planning for personal storytelling as a way to replace what was the personal performance part of the Creative Pulse graduate program at the University of Montana. We were both very anxious about what an online learning experience would look like. Creative Pulse is a vigorous immersion program offered at the University of Montana and has completed over two consecutive summer sessions, plus independent studies and a final project. Even with in-person learning, the Creative Pulse program is intense. The challenge of an online learning environment was unprecedented. Together, we developed a cohort that met synchronously for two hours a day over the course of a week. 35 graduate students participated. After that week, they had a break from our cohort as they continued with other cohorts of the Creative Pulse. We reconvened for another week of workshopping their stories before they finally performed their stories for one another. It was a difficult and rewarding process for all of us. Finally, in June, I put out a call to past Tell Us Something storytellers. Thanks for at one time having shared a story at Tell Us Something. When the next live event will be, I don't know. However, I have some ideas about how to continue the podcast, and I'm emailing to see what your interest level is in participating. Would you like to hop on the phone for a recorded interview about what projects you're working on during COVID-19? how you've been helping the community, how you've pivoted, share success stories, talk about why you support Tell Us Something and your hopes for the future. 
The conversation can go in any direction you'd like. We'd also talk about why you decided to share a story or tell us something, what the process was like for you, and what was it like for you to actually share your story and how sharing your story has impacted you. I walked into those interviews not knowing what to expect. I was hoping to honor the relationship that Tell Us Something has with our sponsors, as well as honor storytellers and also give people a behind-the-scenes look at Tell Us Something. I didn't know how many storytellers would respond. I also didn't know how to conduct an interview, really. 34 storytellers said they wanted to chat with me, so I set about to learn how to hold socially distant interviews. Many of them were on the phone using an app. Some of them were Zoom calls. Some of them were in-person, socially distanced. Each one taught me something about the technical end of recording an interview, and each one taught me about how to interview someone to best honor what they have to say. The interviews began the second week of June 2020. I had a lot to learn about recording interviews remotely, and it wasn't until I sat down to begin editing those interviews that I realized my lack. I kept going as I researched better ways to record remote audio. The first podcast was with Ibrahim Mina and was published in early July. An episode requires about 10 to 15 hours worth of work. I never realized how much effort an interview-style podcast demands. The process, however, has been a gift to me. Stick around and let me tell you how grateful I am for that gift. Thanks again to our title sponsor, The Good Food Store. Shop less, shop solo, and shop fast. Now offering curbside pickup. Learn more at goodfoodstore.com. Thanks to our enduring sponsors, CabinetParts.com, the number one source for cabinet hardware since 1997. Providing the best kitchen cabinet hardware at a great price and knowledgeable hardware specialists, CabinetParts.com is the direct source for all of your cabinet hardware needs. Blackfoot Communications. Since 1954, Blackfoot Communications have fostered a reputation based on exceptional customer service and community involvement. They deliver superior technology solutions through trusted relationships and enrich the lives of their customers, owners, and employees. Learn more at blackfoot.com. Thanks to our champion sponsor, True Food Missoula. Offering weekly meal delivery to nourish your family and friends, have a look at the menu and order online at truefoodcsa.com. Thanks to Cash for Junkers who provide the theme music for the podcast. Find them at cashforjunkersband.com. Listening to the storytellers share their experience with their process of deciding to share a story all the way through the actual sharing of their stories. Let me understand from their perspective how important the work that Tell Us Something does really is. And here's where today's podcast, to me, gets really interesting. The first time that I listened to live storytelling, it was at an event organized by Jeremy N. Smith and Josh Slotnick at the Peace Farm in Missoula. The theme that night at the event they called Eat Our Words was, Where are you from? This was back in July of 2010, well before I had ever shared a story on a stage, before Missoula Moth and before Tell Us Something. I was struck by the energy of the evening, an energy that Tell Us Something carries forward and honors. And a big part of that energy is that people are allowed to talk uninterrupted. Here's storyteller Jenny Pack. I feel that there is something lacking in our society where communication is concerned. Like you can't even get half a sentence out before somebody is 
talking over you or finishing your sentence for you or trying to guess what your next comment is going to be. And I don't know if you feel that, but in my day-to-day interactions, I feel pretty frustrated when I'm just trying to finish a thought, you know. And I love to tell stories. I do the historical reenacting as much as possible, and I'll stand up in front of an audience for an hour and tell somebody else's story. I thought, you know, it would be really cool to tell my story. So that's why I did it. I wanted to be heard, first of all. And I've been telling other people's stories for so long that I thought it would just be interesting to tell my story. Yeah. The audience experience is intentional. Everything about Tell Us Something is intentional, including the name. The name of the organization itself invites people to listen. It invites a silent dialogue with the storyteller. The audience is explicitly asking, just by being there, for the storyteller to share of themselves. Here's storyteller Joseph Grady. Um, One of the things that I like about Tell Us Something is that folks are asked to listen. Um, And we don't do enough of that. I mean, there really isn't enough of that. There's plenty of people waiting for their turn to talk. And so the storytellers feel safe to share. They have fun with it, too. And sometimes, sometimes it helps them to better understand their own story, just the act of sharing their story with others. Here's storyteller Jill Albin. That experience was so just fun, that first Tell Us Something experience. I... I remember being so surprised when people started laughing at the beginning because I, I remember like at the very beginning, I was like, oh, they think it's funny, right? Like that wasn't actually my intention with it, right? But people thought it was funny and, and that made me laugh, right? Because I, I almost started to feel like, oh, this is kind of a, like a peculiar, funny little thing. Here's storyteller Mike Coluccia. You know, to this day, every time I just think about it, I kind of chuckle to myself, and it brings a smile to my face. I enjoy telling it because I think it's absurdly comical. Only real life could uh, hand you such an insane set of circumstances in day. I I would be hard-pressed to write something like that. I, I really, like, chuckle every time I think about it, and I and it adds to the richness of my life. I'm thankful that I made through it. There have been several days in my life like that that I can't believe I made it from um, that morning until that night on earth, Uh, but somehow I did. Listening to storytellers remember their experiences on the telesending stage bolstered me. It kept me going this past summer and gave me the drive to continue the work of telesending. We've all been affected by COVID-19. Some of us have lost our jobs, our businesses, loved ones. I am not diminishing any of that. COVID is a collective trauma that we are all still living through. Leaving 2020 behind doesn't change that. We have all coped with changes that COVID has brought to us in different ways. Some days we cope better than others, and that is to be expected. Connecting with storytellers during these interviews helped me to cope, and I am so grateful to all of those who participated. Looking back on the streaming events that we had in 2020, I really have to hand it to the storytellers. They delivered high-caliber stories without the benefit of an audience. Our first show was in late April, as I said. 
We had a mini-show during Missoula Gives in early May. Then, we had another show in mid-September of 2020. You can see that show at the Tell Us Something YouTube channel. All of the storytellers who shared stories during 2020 shared a common experience. They had no audience interaction. Here's Jenny Buckman Phelps, a storyteller from Helena, sharing about the importance of a live audience response. You know, when when you start getting feedback from the audience, that's definitely a fuel to keep going. And I knew my story was funny. Like, I intentionally chose that story because it is a lighthearted story. I didn't feel like I was going up there and exposing anything. And so that felt safe to me. That's my comfort zone. So I knew if I could at least get some good one-liners in there that people would laugh at least a little bit. And so that was really, really nice. While I was conducting these interviews, I expanded the workshop that I developed for the Creative Pulse at the University of Montana and began offering corporate storytelling workshops. Watch for a podcast featuring the stories that came out of that workshop with the Montana Economic Developers Association in the coming weeks. I am grateful that I was able to also engage in professional development, taking virtual storytelling workshops from others, even having some writing published through a workshop I took with Susanna Sonnenberg called Writing Through the Pandemic through the Institute of Health and Humanities at the University of Montana. Susanna reminded me of something that Tell Us Something holds to be true. She said, the longing for authenticity is the beginning of our relationship to art. Tell Us Something is all about authenticity. 2020 also gave me the opportunity to begin a monthly newsletter to stay in touch with the community and keep you informed about what Tell Us Something is doing. You can catch up with that newsletter at tellussomething.org slash blog to see past editions. If you'd like to subscribe to it, drop me a line to let me know. My email address is mark at tellussomething.org. That's M-A-R-C at tellussomething.org. Back to the interviews. Sometimes the interview challenged me and asked me a question. Here's me talking with Dagny Deitchman. Dagny, do you have any more questions for me? Yeah, I would love to, now that I know that this is really the 10th anniversary, which I didn't realize when you uh, wanted to call me today, how has being a part of this project for the past 10 years changed you as a human? I'm sure that's a loaded question, but I'd love the nutshell at least. It, I don't know. Um, it's helped me listen better. Mm -hmm. I listen to these people share their stories and it's like, oh my God, how did you get through that experience? And if they can do it, I can get up every day and, you know, go to work and do the things that I need to do. And even when I'm having a ridiculously crappy day, I'm not alone. Right. Totally. I guess that might be the biggest answer. And that's one of the things that I hope other people are taking from the project is feeling like they're a part of something. They're not alone. Yeah, I think that's fascinating. I mean, the research that I've been doing on self-compassion is really one of the main pieces of sort of like the research science on self-compassion is this idea of humanity versus isolation. And the more connected people feel to humanity in general, the higher levels of self-compassion that they often exhibit. So. And as I was thinking about compassion this year, I was trying to educate myself about my privilege, about my complacency, and I also participated in anti-racism trainings. 
I've always said that Tell Us Something believes that everyone has a story and that everyone's story matters. And we do believe that. We welcome everyone. It's a reality in Missoula that 92% of the population is white. Tell Us Something has had BIPOC people share stories on the stage, black, indigenous, and people of color. And I know that Tell Us Something can do more to welcome BIPOC stories in our community. Here's Joseph Grady again. I've applauded what you've managed to accomplish with Tell Us Something because I have heard our voices on here. Um, and I would just say, keep it up. Well, thanks for saying that. I feel like I'm not doing enough. I think it's easy to feel that way these days. And I, I think I feel the same way. And I mean, in, in, in many contexts, that I could be doing more or should be doing more. Or, and oftentimes not looking back and saying, man, you've done, you've done quite a lot and you've put in a lot of time and you've got some trauma built up from that too and you need to take a breath and sometimes need to take a minute for yourself. And, um, uh, you know, the, there are few two efforts in town uh, or in the community where BIPOC voices in that presence is quite a bit less than a third of about a third of the participation, um, which is why I say it's, it's a step in the right direction and a progress of a kind. Um, but like you say, and I think kind of where your question is going, is yeah, there are things that, that can happen in terms of how we invite and, and the kind of meetings we hold. And um, are, you know, are we gonna have like a themed month where it's only for that space? or themed series along the way where, you know, part of, maybe even part of a year of your participation, there are no white stories. I mean, that would be pretty radical, don't you think? Yeah. Um, and it's not like there's a shortage of stories out there, but how do we get those people into the spaces where we feel valued and we feel safe um, and we feel like um, our participation is going to be received in a way that uh, the community is saying, hey, yeah, we want that. As we look into 2021 and beyond, I look forward to inviting more BIPOC stories and not as token voices. I invite BIPOC, all of you, to share your stories, to feel safe doing so, because Tell Us Something has always strived to be a safe space for people to share their stories. Everyone is welcome to share a story, I know, isn't the same as we want you to feel included. I know BIPOC are a part of this community, and I invite you to share your stories at future Tell Us Something events. I will be more proactive in explicitly inviting you to share your stories as we begin planning more events whenever that may be possible. I also look forward to continuing the programming we have been able to offer in 2020 including the storytelling workshops, the Spark Arts Missoula teaching, and even some online storytelling streaming events. I really do look forward to when we can again come together and enjoy the shared experience of listening and sharing stories with one another. Here's Tell Us Something storyteller and audience member, Melissa Kaplan-Silverman. I know that the shared experience for many is like music. That's never been my outlet. For me, it was always Tell Us Something. It was for sure... The once every quarter going to a, we I don't think we ever missed one, and the shared experience of it of we're all walking out either with the tear in our eye because the last one made us cry or the the story that we couldn't stop laughing at or you know we're all in the street kind of murmuring 
that was my favorite time of tell something was afterwards, like walking out of the Wilma and the murmurs and the listening to all the conversations from everybody as they walked to their cars. When I lamented about the lack of this human connection during live in-person events, Jenny Pack reminded me that this isn't forever. I, so this is going to pass. This virus will pass. We'll get it under control at some point. Someone will come up with a vaccine. Once it's again safe to gather in person, I look forward to seeing you at a Telesomething event. Thanks to all of the storytellers who shared their experiences with me during our interviews. All of the interviews that I conducted will be released, I promise. There was such interest in participation that if I produce an interview each week, all of the interviews will finally be exhausted sometime in July of 2021. If I can get ahead of them and release more than one a week, I will. Thank you so much to everyone who donated to Tell Us Something during the fundraiser in February, during Missoula Gives in May, and during Giving Tuesday in December. Thank you to those who were able to attend the live streaming events, and most especially thanks to the storytellers who shared their stories in 2020, in the workshops, in the live streaming events, and during the interviews in the podcast. Sharing our stories helps us heal ourselves, helps us understand ourselves. Keep sharing stories with each other, especially now during the pandemic. It's so important. As we finish looking back on the accomplishments Tell Us Something managed to achieve with your help in 2020, I look forward with hope to 2021. Vaccines are already being distributed among our community. We have banded together and formed new alliances with each other that may have been unavailable to us had COVID not forced us to take stock. I look forward to seeing live music again. I look forward to sharing a meal with friends in the comfort of my home again. I look forward to sharing a meal with my friends in the comfort of a restaurant again. I look forward with hope to new possibilities, new partnerships, and sharing new stories. We still have a long way to go before these things can happen. I know this. And I have hope. I have hope again. I know that we will get through this because we are all in it together. And we'll get through it together. May 2021 bring you joy, health, abundance, and healing. See you on down the road. It's the sun is gonna shine on my face well I'm in that good place but it's a few too baby I said the sun is gonna shine on my face well I'm in that good place Oh, I ain't wasting no time waiting on a paradise. It's the real world. Well, it's bound to treat me right on.
our sponsors, Missoula Bone and Joint, providing superior clinical orthopedic care to their patients for over 60 years, MissoulaBoneandJoint.com. Axis Physical Therapy, an enthusiastic team dedicated to providing compassionate and comprehensive care to their clients. Learn more at AxisMissoula.com. And thank you to our in-kind sponsors. Logjam presents. The Top Hat Restaurant and Bar is open with limited capacity in-house dining and takeout. The Top Hat also now features geodome dining, social distancing taken to the next level. Their new private geodomes seat two to six people and are perfect for staying warm and cozy while enjoying local food and drink through the winter months. Learn more and reserve your dome at logjampresents.com. Missoula Broadcasting Company. Learn more at missoulabroadcasting.com. Float Missoula, formerly known as Enlighten Lab Float Center. Learn more at floatmsla.com. Hey, I'm Anna Sulia, a nurse of physiotherapy. We want you to move better and feel better so you stay in motion. Learn more at inertiaphysiomc.com. Geckodesigns.com, missoulaevents.net. Podcast production by me, Mark Moss. To learn more about Tell Us Something, please visit tellussomething.org. Music in today's episode by Karen LaFrac. Nine Inch Nails, used under the Creative Commons license. Cash for Drunkers, John Sporman and Travis Yost. The Future by John Dendy. And credits music by Moby from his 2020 release, Long Ambience 2. Stay safe, wear a mask, take care of yourself, and take care of each other.